Nehemiah wants to be used by God, but will his opportunity come? Well, we'll find out today on Through the Bible. I'm Steve Schwetz, welcoming you to another great adventure in God's Word, and I'm so glad that you're here on the Bible Bus today. Our teacher is Dr. J. Vernon McGee, and we begin our study in Nehemiah chapter 1 at verse 7. So while you grab your Bible and find your place, let's listen to this message from a fellow Bible Bus passenger. My name is Elnor J. Dumas, and I listen to Through the Bible Radio on WMCA here in New York City. I have been I have been listening for over 20 years, and I have been so blessed and all. I have grown with the Lord and all, and have been able to use much of what I have learned from that to give to not only to my family, but to my neighbors and to my community. Uh, you're in my thoughts and prayers every day. God bless you. Continue the wonderful work, the good work. And here's another one. Good morning. This is the Bible Radio. This is Pastor Joseph in Pickerington, Ohio. I just wanted to, uh, since May is letter month, uh, my penmanship is not that great. I decided that I would call you and thank you guys for the wonderful ministry and the continued legacy of Dr. J. Vernon McGee who encouraged me. And I've listened to Deuteronomy and seen how the Lord was with Moses and never left him when I've been encouraged because I, um, unfortunately, uh, diagnosed with bipolar and some days are really hard or whatever, and especially this current week because my wife has gone to take care of her sister who had surgery and just encouraged me and I always like Dr. McGee's humor and wisdom and encouragement and also when you guys read the letters and, and share what's going on on the World Prayer Team, which I'm blessed to be a part of. Thank you guys. God bless you and keep up the excellent work. And I'll see you either here in Pickerington, Ohio, there, in Pasadena, California, or in there when the Lord calls us home. God bless you. I love you. Take care. Well, thank you both for sharing what our time in God's Word means to you. And how about you? What's your story? You know we'd love to hear from you, too, so just email your note to BibleBus at ttb.org. You can leave a note on our Facebook page as well, and you can always write to us at Box 7100, Pasadena, California, 91109. In Canada, Box 25325, London, Ontario, N6C, 6B1. Or like Elnora and Joseph, if you want to call and leave your message, you'll find us at 1-800-65-BIBLE. Now let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time in your word, and please work in our hearts so that, like Nehemiah, we'll be willing and ready for you to use us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let's begin our study in Nehemiah 1 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Now, friends, we come back to the first chapter of Nehemiah. You have your Bible, we hope you'll turn there, and we're going to begin today with verse 7. We left off in the prayer of Nehemiah. Word was brought to him. He was the cupbearer of the king. We'll see what that means in a few moments. And he had a political job. He's a layman. And he saw one of his brethren that had come up from Jerusalem. And he stopped him there in the palace. And he said, how are things going in Jerusalem? And he told him, he said, things are terrible there. They're in affliction. God's people are in reproach. And this man, Nehemiah, he just dropped down to the pavement and he began to weep and he began days of fasting and mourning and prayer. And this is his prayer that he's prayed. Now, first of all, he took his position with the people that I have sinned. What a wonderful thing it is now to take that position. Now, he could have been very pious and said, I'll pray for you. 
or he could have been very critical of them. But you don't find him taking that position either. He's not being critical at all. He was concerned, and he wept and mourned and fasted and prayed. Now, I wonder if these days in which we live, if the critics today could only see this man and how he approached the problem. Now, caustic criticism may have its place, and there may be times when it's right, and we do need to hear the truth. But if your criticism does not stir you, does not affect you, doesn't concern you, then leave it alone. I suppose the harshest critic in the Bible was Jeremiah. They put him in the hoose gal. They put him in mud up to his armpits. His criticism burned like fire. It rankled in the soul of the wicked. And he's been called, though, the weeping prophet. His message broke his own heart. Now, if your criticism doesn't concern you, stop it. There's too much talk and not enough tears. There's too many hard things and not enough soft hearts. You're not God's messenger if the message does not break your heart. He was concerned, this man Nehemiah. He was not critical, and he prayed. And it's not work and pray, but pray and work was his motto. And we find here he made this confession. The failure was because of sin, but he was sinned. We have sinned. He said, I have sinned. He's no self-satisfied Pharisaic onlooker. And notice something else here. He says, we have dealt very corruptly against thee and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments, which thou commandest thy servant Moses. You see, he believed God's word here, as we're going to see. He rested in it, and he knew God's word. And this man is concerned. That's verse 7. Now, verse 8, he says, Remember, I beseech thee the word that thou commandest thy service. Moses, saying, If ye transgress, I'll scatter you abroad among the nations. Now, he believed God's word, you see. And he not only believed God's word, he believed in the return of the Jews to Jerusalem. There are a lot of preachers don't believe that today. That's the reason I think God sometimes has to use laymen, because he can't get at those of us that are preachers. But he can sometimes reach a layman. Now, notice this. In verse 9, I'm reading this now. But if ye turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though thou were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of the heaven, yet will I gather them from thence. I'll bring them unto the place that I've chosen to set my name there. Now, friends, that's a great prayer. He says, Lord, you said that you'd scatter us if we disobeyed you, and we have. Now you said, though, if we turn to you, and if we come back to you and cast ourselves upon you, and though we be cast in the uttermost parts of the earth, you bring us back to the land. See, he believed that they'd be returned to the land. And he's counting on that. And he's praying about that. Listen to him now. Verse 10, Now these are thy servants and thy people, whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand. Now, verse 11, O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant, to the prayer of thy servants, who desire to fear thy name. And prosper, I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. 
Now, will you notice this for just a moment? It's rather important. Nehemiah was willing and wanting to be used of God. And God heard his prayer. But he's not running ahead of God. He's praying about it, you see here. He said, if you want to use me, I'm making myself available, and I'm going in before the king. And when he's talking to God about the king, he just calls him this man. He says, I'm going in. I'm going to make a request of him. And by the way, Artaxerxes granted him permission to return. And he didn't want to run ahead of God, as you can see here. Now, that brings us to chapter 2. And we see now Nehemiah's request of the king and his return to Jerusalem and his review of the ruins of Jerusalem. Now, will you notice this? Well, this is rather important. And it came to pass in the month Nisan, in the 20th year of Artaxerxes the king, that wine was before him. Now, this is where the 70 weeks of Daniel begin right at this particular point. Now he says, in this 20th year, he was before the king, and I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been before time sad in his presence. Now this man, Nehemiah, as we're going to see, he's a delightful fella. I'd love to have known him. He's the kind of a layman that you like, and there are many laymen like him. Now he had a political job. He was a cupbearer. Now, cupbearer did this. His function was anything brought to the king, like a glass of wine, he tasted it first. And if he didn't fall down, then the king, he would take it. He had a dangerous job, too, by the way. But a man that was in the presence of the king all the time soon became, shall I say, a friend of the king. Naturally, he would be. And many times, I think the king, when a decision was before him, would ask the cupbearer, so what do you think about this matter? Well, in time, the cupbearer became sort of an advisor. He was a member of the cabinet of the king, and he actually had a very important position. Now, Nehemiah was in the presence of the king all the time. You can see why probably he didn't return. He hoped that someday he might be able to use this position to help his people. Maybe that's the reason he asked about him. Now, He's prepared to make a request to the king, but he's not quite ready. And this day, he doesn't feel very good. He's had this bad news. He's been fasting. He's been praying and been mourning. I think his eyes were red, and he didn't look happy. And as he says here, now I had not been before times sad in his presence. He's a bright, cheerful fellow. Everybody liked him. But this day he's sad. Now the king notes it because it's, so unlike Nehemiah. Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was very sore afraid. Nehemiah said, I didn't know it showed. <laughs> he said, I tried to conceal it, but I wasn't able to apparently. And the king asked me the point blank question. He said, Now why are you sad? You're not sick physically, so it must be sorrow of the heart. Something's troubling you. Now, the king said to him, tell me what it is. And he was very sore afraid. Verse 3, And I said unto the king, Let the king live forever. And the cupbearer always could say that, you know, wholeheartedly, because, you see, he tasted what came before the king. 
And he hoped the king stayed in good health, and he hoped he did too. And if generally, if the king stayed in good health, he did also. And he said unto the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's sepulcher, lieth waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire? Then he just blurted out, as it were. Why, he says here, Why shouldn't I be sad, O king, my master? Why, the city, my city, the place of my father's sepulchers, my fathers are buried by, it lieth waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire. Now notice this. He says, so I prayed to the God of heaven. Now, this is the first time this word so occurs, but it occurs 32 times. And this man uses this word as a shortcut to get around a lot of protocol and a lot of flowery verbiage that doesn't mean anything. You'll find he goes always right to the point doesn't beat around the bush. He says, so I prayed to the God of heaven, right there in the presence of the king. The king said to him, what do you want? You evidently want to make a request to me. What is it that you'd like to ask me? And so Nehemiah just bowed his head, closed his eyes for a moment, and he prayed to the God of heaven. I think it's a very brief prayer, but he says, oh, Lord, help me. I am in a tight spot. Then notice what happened, verse 5. And I said unto the king, if it please the king, and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou would send me unto Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchers, that I may build it. said, I'd like to go back and help back there, if you just grant me a leave of absence. And the king said unto me, and notice this, it's in parenthesis, the queen also sitting by him. Not only was this man Nehemiah a young man, I think he was a handsome young man, and he had a very good personality because court business is very boring, by the way. And I have a notion that many times the king would get involved in some, you know, petty political matter and have to settle it, and it would be discussed. And so the queen was bored by it, sitting by his side. So she just, you know, started a conversation with Nehemiah. She said, where'd you go on the weekend? And he said, Oh, I, you know, being a Jew, why, I went to the synagogue on Saturday, and then I took a little trip up the Euphrates River, and we had a boat down there, you know, and we did a little fishing, probably something like that. It was talk along that line, and what happened was this. The king said unto me, the queen also sitting by him, and you know what happened? She liked that young fellow, Nehemiah. And she nudged the king in the ribs, and she said to him, let him go. Huh. That's what he wants to do, let him go. Then notice what the king said. The king says, how long shall thy journey be? I think he started to say, well, now you know this is a busy season. It's going to be difficult. Nehemiah let you all, and I don't know whether we can spare you or not. And the queen there nudged him and says, let him go. And then he says, well, how long will this take? And when wilt thou return? King liked him too, you see. We want you back here. Well, he could go into detail here, but he doesn't. Notice what he says. So it pleased the king to send me. And I set him a time. Nehemiah's going to get down to business, friend. Oh, there's a lot of wasted verbiage today. I listened the other day on the TV to one of the committees of our government, of the 
houses of Congress were meeting and they were hearing different witnesses concerning a certain matter. And they were listening to a certain lawyer. Did you know I listened to him for 15 minutes and he could have said what he said in two sentences? Well, he sure did string it out. He took advantage of the fact that he was appearing before this committee and that he was on TV. And I want to tell you, he used a great deal of excess verbiage. His could have been cut down a great deal. And Nehemiah doesn't waste that. He says, so it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. Moreover, I said unto the king, if it pleased the king, let letters be given me to the governors beyond the river, that they may convey me over till I come unto Judah. This is a difficult trip through dangerous country. Give me letters that will help me. And a letter unto Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the palace, which appertain to the house, and for the wall of the city, and for the house that I shall enter into. And the king granted me according to the good hand of my God upon me. Nehemiah said, I just trusted the Lord, but I didn't mind asking the king for it. Now, don't you blame me for telling you folk that we want you to support the radio program. One man said to me, don't you trust the Lord? Sure, we trust the Lord. But he wants us to tell you about it because he wants to speak to your heart. And he opened the heart of the king here so that this man now knew the hand of God was upon him. Verse 9, Then I came to the governors beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. You know that he went up with half the army of Persia. This man, I tell you, was well protected. But the interesting thing is, you remember back in Ezra, that Ezra, he was a priest, and when he went in and requested of the king a permit to go, he wanted to ask for that, but he'd been so eloquent in telling the king how God would take care of them and God would lead them. He said, I was ashamed to ask him for help because he'd say to me, aren't you trusting the Lord? Well, he was trusting the Lord, but he couldn't go back and ask. Now, God did take care of him, but this man, Nehemiah, he's a layman. He's a government official. He has a right to ask for this. You see, friends, God's not going to lead all of us alike. He'll lead you one way, and he's going to lead me another way. I made a mistake, even in the beginning of my ministry, trying to imitate a certain preacher. He was highly successful, great preacher, great man of God. And I thought, my, I ought to, you know, I want to be like that man. And I tried it. And one day, an elder of my church called me up. He knew me, known me ever since I was 14 years old. He called me up and he said, Vernon, he said, I want to have lunch with you. And I went by the bank where he was vice president. And he and I went to his club for lunch. And all he said to me as we sat there, you know, said, we'd rather have an original Vernon McGee than an imitation anybody else. That's all he said. Friends, that's all he needed to say from that day to this. I haven't tried to imitate anybody, and Lord help the man that tried to imitate me. But the thing is, what a tragic thing it is for one man to try to duplicate the other man. God won't lead us alike. Now, Ezra goes up with no support whatsoever, and here comes Nehemiah with half the army of Persia with him. God will use both, if you don't mind. Then we have in verse 10, when he got there, Already there's opposition. When Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man 
to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. These fellows we're going to meet, there's a threesome here. Geshem the Arabian, we'll meet him later on. These were the enemies of God and the enemies of these people and tried to hinder the building first of the temple. And now they want to hinder the rebuilding of the wall. You see, with this man coming up with this tremendous centurage of servants and soldiers, everybody in the country knew about it. They said, who in the world is this? Well, they said, this is the cupbearer, the secretary of state down in Persia. And he's come up to help these people. He's one of them. And that word got around and the enemy was grieved. They didn't like that. You know, it's always interesting who gets the good news. It's only who you are, whether it's good news or not. The gospel's not good news to the enemies of the gospel. It's anything but good news. Now, will you notice here, he says, verse 11, and right here he could have written two or three chapters about how he came up to Jerusalem and, my, what the thrilling experiences he had on the way. Well, notice this. He says, so I came to Jerusalem, and I was there three days. That's it, so. You mark down every time he uses the word so. It's rather important. He's cutting down on a great deal of words. And we talk about word power. This is word power in the absence of them. Now, notice what he does. He did not want to stir up undue alarm. So, verse 12, And I arose in the night, I and some few men with me, neither told I any man, what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem, neither was there any beast with me save the beast that I rode upon. Now, this man went out at night, no entourage of servants now. This is no parade. He just goes out under cover of darkness, and he makes an inspection to see what the real condition was. He's a real layman, isn't he? This is the way the businessman would do it. Verse 13, And I went out by night by the gate of the valley, even before the dragon well into the dung port. And I viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and the gates thereof were consumed with fire. Then I went on to the gate of the fountain, to the king's pool. But there was no place for the beast that was under me to pass. The debris was so bad that he couldn't even ride a horse, couldn't ride go horseback. So he had to dismount. Then he says, verse 15, Then went I up in the night by the brook, and I viewed the wall, and turned back, and entered by the gate of the valley, and so I returned. That's it. That was the inspection. And the rulers knew not whither I went or what I did. Neither had I as yet told it to the Jews, nor to the priests, nor to the nobles, nor to the rulers, nor to the rest that did the work. You see, this man is using caution, good judgment in doing God's work. I love to see certain men that I know that are laymen today do a thing for God. If I may be personal, we have here in Southern California a group of men that are on our Through the Bible radio board. They meet regularly, and it's always a great encouragement to me. I'm no businessman. And very candidly, I need advice. And it's marvelous what these men do. I just listen to them as they discuss certain things. And every now and then one will take me to lunch and he said, Now look, here's something that I think is important as far as the radio is concerned. And you know, I never thought of it before. This man, Nehemiah, he intrigues me. 
You know, I'm anxious to follow him, going to see what he's going to do. But we're going to have to wait till next time. So until then, may God bless you, my beloved. Well, Through the Bible's Board of Directors continue to meet regularly, and each member has an active role in keeping this great organization moving forward. And I'm honored to be a part of that team as well. Our mission is to continue Dr. McGee's vision of reaching God's whole world with his whole word. And as you remember, will you pray for us on the board and all those who give wise counsel to us? Would you ask the Lord to direct us and keep us focused on the biblical principles that Dr. McGee established for Through the Bible so many years ago? As a keen business-minded man, Nehemiah has surveyed the condition of the walls and considered the work needed to rebuild them. Now it's time to make those plans known to the people and get to work. But will the people respond to his leadership? Will they cooperate? Well, join us next time for the answers to these questions and so much more here on Through the Bible. Until then, if we can help you find a Bible study resource to deepen your study of God's Word, just call us at 1-800-65-BIBLE or visit ttb.org. Again, that's 1-800-65-BIBLE and ttb.org. I'm Steve Schwetz, grateful for your company as we make our way through the Bible. We're grateful for our committed listening family who faithfully pray and invest in Through the Bible as we together take the whole word to the whole world.